I've got a lot to talk about today, um, and this is going to sound like a maybe a stream of consciousness just flowing, but I've, my brain's just been an overload. Um, last night I watched the um, Queer Eye episode that had Noah Hepler, um, who is the um, an evangelical Lutheran minister at Atonement Lutheran Church, which is in Philadelphia. Um, it's season five of Queer Eye. I had gotten, somehow, I, I didn't realize season five came out, I guess, during the pandemic or whatever. And I'd seen season six, which is featured in Austin, but I was so excited that I had a whole new season to watch. And oh my God, it was incredible to watch this episode. Noah grew up in a a conservative fundamentalist type household and he's gay and he grew up in a church that told him being gay is an abomination. It's, it's all the things that we've heard from the evangelical world for, well, from the Christian world uh, as a whole, I guess, even going back into the Catholic church and others for, you know, centuries and um, he's just such a sweet man, and it was such a beautiful episode. You could tell that he's, you know, at least at the start, um, not comfortable in his own skin. He, he carried so much guilt. And I can say as someone that grew up in, in a fundamentalist evangelical church, that guilt gets stuck in you, and it's hard to get out. Even now, sometimes I will say things that I know are right. Well, let me rephrase that. I will give my opinion of things. And I have that little twinge of, oh, I better be careful. God might strike me, you know, kind of thing, because that's what you're taught. To grow up in that kind of world and be gay, I just can't even imagine. Because you're told from from as early as you can remember, and especially as you start realizing who you are, that you are an abomination, you are evil, you are ungodly, you aren't a Christian. And Noah was able to get out of that, and he's now with an affirming congregation, the Evangelical Lutheran Church, which I love, by the way, I'm a huge fan of. And he still, though, could not let go of some of that. You know, it's so difficult. And then he felt guilty because he waited so long to come out when others before him had had more courage. And there's a scene on there. Karamo has um, him come in and meet with this bishop who was the first openly gay bishop in the Evangelical Lutheran Church and a transgender person who was a minister and they brought him the stole and explained to him how they were passing it down to him that that the, that there were these people all along even before the church had recognized and accepted that people could be openly gay and serve in the ministry uh, that they secretly were either in the closet or doing this in defiance of, of the teachings and how they were passing it to him because it was his turn to help carry that mantle. And it was such an incredible moment to see him, number one, connecting with people that 
had had some of the same struggles he had, but also to be tied to a legacy and to to have a purpose. And um, Bobby, who's one of the guys on Queer Eye, he also clearly has a, a bad history with the church. And they, there was a, just a beautiful interaction between Bobby and Noah about their experiences and, and how hurtful the church is, has been and will be and continues to be. It is a place in so many ways of oppression. And let me just say right now, if you're evangelical, if you're a conservative Christian, you're probably not going to like the things I say going forward on this podcast. Um, I have many friends and family who are evangelicals and conservatives, and I love them dearly. And I also know that individually, there is probably a lot of them have wonderful hearts and they're good people. But I want to talk about the system, the cultural system that has grown. And as I talk about it, I just, I had this realization. I, let me kind of get back to the Queer Eye episode. Seeing somebody who's been marginalized be finally feel accepted and then be able to accept themselves is one of the most beautiful things that you can ever see because it's so important that people know how to accept being loved as well as love others. And the, the queer eye group, which is four men and one non-binary person, they meet people where they are and they talk to them about how they can be a better, how, how the true them can come out. Like they don't come in and say, we're here to fix you. They come in and say, who's the person you want to be? Who are you? Who, you know, when do you last remember when you really felt special or beautiful or sexy or whatever is going on with that person? Uh, Karama was wearing a shirt the other night that said, confidence is a habit, not a trait. And I was like, wow, I've never really thought of that. I always think of it as a trait. Like if you ask what's about somebody, oh, he's confident. But it's something you practice. It's something that becomes a part of you and anybody can become confident. And they want to instill, they help instill confidence in people. And I remember thinking, you know, they've done more for these people than any church. 99% of churches, I don't know, I, I know I'm speaking a little bit in hyperbole, but, but more to change lives than most churches, and certainly than, more than I've seen in evangelicalism. And yet these four men and Jonathan would be, have been, Condemned, judged, rejected, hated, insulted, made fun of. I think I've covered everything um, by that very church. That they embody the teachings of Christ themselves. They are out loving people. They're out meeting people where they are. This pastor mentioned, Noah, about how there's a story in the Bible 
about a centurion that brings that comes to Jesus and says that he has a uh, the way it's translated in most Bibles is servant or slave um, that is very sick and he's concerned about him and is asking if if he will heal him and Noah pointed out and I later looked into this and and it, it looks like it's pretty accurate that one possible translation of the word that comes across the servant is um, a uh, someone that's very dear to him, a, a loved one, and that there's if you read it in that context and you really read the story, there's a good chance that this was a same-sex partner, and Jesus didn't have anything to say about homosexuality or about gayness. He said that his faith would lead to his healing. And when Noah was explaining this, Bobby was, I think it was Bobby he was talking to, was completely blown away. And probably most evangelicals would be if they read that and understood that story. Um, it was just, and, and Noah said he wants, he, you know, that's the message he wants people to hear. So uh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, oh, oh. So my point being, these, the, the, the queer eye group, if you want to see what Christianity is, you don't need to look in a Bible. You can look at them. Not because they follow Christ's teachings, but because they embody what he taught. And that is to love and accept people as they are and to help them to be more of what they can be and to give them this passion for life and this love for what they do. And almost every person that they work with has so much to give to other people and they love other people. And and it's just so amazing to watch. Now, couple that with, so I was kind of dealing with this piece of the fact that I grew up in an institution that oppressed these folks and marginalized them, hated them. Today, of course, is Martin Luther King Day, Martin Luther King Jr. And I saw for the first time a letter that was written by Tim LaHaye. If you don't know who he is, Google him, but I'll tell you real quick. He's the one of the co-authors of the Left Behind book series, which exploded. And he's probably one of the more prolific evangelical Christian writers uh, in, at least in my lifetime. I remember being in college and seeing his books everywhere. He wrote, um, I think, 80-something books on all kinds of topics. Uh, ended up getting into this apocalyptic fiction uh, that resulted in four movies. Huge, huge author. He wrote a letter on May 23rd, 1968, which was about six weeks after Dr. King was shot and killed in Memphis, to Wheaton College. They, had, they were like a flagship institution of American evangelism or evangelicalism. And they hosted a community memorial service for Dr. King. And he wrote a letter to them and said he had this reported coming to his hands that he found difficult to believe. I'm going to quote it. 
Actually, I'm going to read the whole letter. Dear Sir, it's to the President. Recently, this report came into my hands and I find it very difficult to believe. It seems incredible that a Christian college could participate in honoring an outright theological liberal heretic whose, quote, nonviolent demonstrations have resulted in the deaths of 17 people. As a pastor, I'm asked every year by parents and prospective students to express my sentiments of Wheaton College. In all fairness, I would like to know if this article accurately describes the facts. I honestly will be quite delighted if you can say no. He threatened him. He threatened to not send people to that school or to recommend it anymore because they held a memorial for a civil rights leader. As I pondered this and realized I had spent my money on this man's books back when I was in college, and I thought about the experience of Noah, I realized, it's, it's like I've always known this, but like this light came on. How much white supremacy and racism and depression and oppression has been deeply embedded in evangelical leaders for years. Now, this shouldn't be a surprise. The Southern Baptist Convention was founded on its opposition to the abolition of slavery. The convention was founded in support of keeping slavery legal. And I don't want to hear, well, that was back in 1800s. That's bullshit. These are people that are supposed to be Christians. But what more importantly, as you look at the church, and a lot of times with evangelicals, they say, well, we're all individual churches, we're not, you know, whatever. That's bullshit. Systemically and historically, the evangelical, American evangelical church, whether it be Baptist or whoever, are deeply rooted in a long history of white supremacy and racism and oppression of people that are different than what they think you should be. It's all about control. It is so disturbing to think about that, to think that I was part of that, that I, and I grew up in it. And I've I know some stories that I don't want to share because I respect and honor some people that are in my life that I would not want to embarrass, but it's real. The racism is real. The oppression of people who are gay, transgender, bi, it's just incredible. And when you think about the way they do it, Not only do they do these things, but the way they suck people in. Think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you think about the hierarchy of needs, the kind of the bottom one is, you know, I need food and shelter. But the next level is safety. They open with, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Your very existence, your soul, your eternity is threatened from day one. from day one and the only way that you can be safe is to be part of them 
And then they tell you, well, the next stage of Maslow's hierarchy's love and belonging can be a part of us. If you're a part of us, you will have a family. And that's true in many ways. There are many churches that really, that is a family for people. But when you are doing it under the threat of eternal damnation, how fucked up is that? That you're a member of something because you don't want to go burn in hell. And this this love and belonging piece it comes t- with it, it comes with strings attached. The threat of being excommunicated, the threat of being expelled. I remember in my church growing up, we had more than once services where people were expelled from the congregation openly for drunkenness, for gossip, for doing things that were not approved by the church. That's a cult. And I'm talking about a Baptist church. I'm not talking about some weird-ass, off-the-wall, little whatever. I'm talking about a Baptist church in Texas. It's a threat. Next from that, in Maslow's hierarchy, is self-esteem or esteem. How you feel about yourself. Well, you're told from the start you're a sinner. You're going to hell. You're worthless. The only way that you can be saved is through following their rules. Now, I would say they would say through Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, but it's got to be the way they interpret it because they own it. You have some 40-year-old redneck in southeast Texas who has maybe studied a little bit of scripture or took a couple of college courses, and suddenly they're interpreting thousands of years of scripture, and it happens to be tailored to exactly their prejudices and their beliefs. Because, you know, they say, the saying goes, if God hates the same people you do, then you probably created God in your image, not the other way around. And finally, Maslow's highest is self-actualization. They don't let you have that. You're held back from self-actualization. You can't think for yourself. Don't question. Believe what they believe. Or you're a heretic. You're wrong. You could put your soul at risk. So you're always held in these deficiency needs instead of the growth needs. And those deficiency needs are only met by what they give you and what you can get from the church. I remember even being told, don't date someone that's not Baptist. They grab a scripture. Don't be unequally yoked with someone. And so there's a requirement, an expectation, that you keep it within the, 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 within the faith. And it's, it's cult-like. But, but that's not even the worst part. So when you take this cult-like approach, this adherence to these beliefs, this, this, and then you look at what they do, and it's built on oppression. It's built on, it's built on racism. It's built on white supremacy. It's built on hating of uh, the LBGTQ community. It's based on, I mean, we were always threatened with that and worried about those people, what they're going to do, the gay agenda. You know, I remember when the movie Soap, I mean, the TV show Soap came out, we were told, don't watch it. It has a homosexual that's trying to normalize homosexuality as if that's some, you know, horrible thing that we must be aware of. And it's going to be right there in our living rooms. 
I just, it, 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 when, when I was watching that Queer Eye episode last night and feeling such empathy, and by the way, I grew up white and straight. I don't really know what it's like to be the victim of their oppression. I mean, I can say I didn't like the fact I couldn't question things. But, you know, that's kind of small potatoes compared to being told that I'm an abomination of God and praying every night that God will take the gay away so that I can live and be a good Christian. What a horrible thing to do to somebody. It's hateful. It's evil. So seeing Queer Eye last night and being so touched, I'm bawling and crying, watching this guy who has this beautiful moment and oh, how I love the Evangelical Lutheran churches for this and, and the Episcopal churches. There are good churches out there that are welcoming and loving. you got to find them. Because the conservative ones are not churches. They are institutions that are cultural, political institutions. Now, that doesn't mean every single person that's Baptist is a horrible person. I think a lot of people go what's, to what's comfortable to them and where it's close to them. They're, they're, many of them are not racist at all. Many of them are very loving people. And they don't really stop and look at the root of what their church is, how it, it's systemic. It grew that way. It started that way. It's like I suddenly realized that my church had the very same roots as the clan. And it really rattled me because I should have seen it and I didn't. And when I see people like Timothy LaHaye, who as early as 1968 was spreading this kind of hate, and then I realize how many books he sold, how many millions and millions of books telling people how to live, warning people about the end times, again, the threats. What a, just a crazy, crazy thing to think about. It's just taking the hood off and putting on a suit. So that's, whew. Find your love, find your passion. Look for the kind of Christianity or any faith that is based on something built out of love and built out of acceptance, and built out of really caring about people around you. And don't let yourself get trapped in these institutions that are cultural, political institutions meant to bend the rules to benefit themselves. Those are my observations. Thank you for listening.